Hello and welcome to episode 3 of our four part series promoting the new Ability Co-op short film. I'm your host Harry O'Brien. In this episode I sit down with Scott. Scott is one of the three students who is featured in the short film. We go behind the scenes to discuss the production of the movie and we discuss what support he gets from the disability services to help him manage his invisible disability. So a bit of background for those of you that are new here. The Trinity Ability Co-op is a cooperative movement led by students with disabilities toward radical inclusion on campus. This podcast series and short film were made possible by the Trinity Equality Fund. The Equality Fund is specially designed to facilitate innovative and creative equality projects by staff and students across the university. Our project theme is Inclusive Trinity, showing how Trinity fosters an inclusive environment and experience for all members of the Trinity community. So without further ado, here's the interview with Scott. Scott, what's your role in the film? My role in the film, so I do actually star in the film, so I'm one of the people, one of the three people um, the film. I was recruited by the Disability Service whilst I'm working with them for the summer to come in and star in it as well. And how did you actually get involved in it? There was a call out for people and we had a couple of students come forward or people who would have been involved in the disability service but I think they're looking for a, um, a bit more of a balance in terms of gender and stuff like that and just people from different backgrounds. So I come from a STEM background, having studied physics and the other two people in the film would come from an arts background so I think that was and other things, so trying to be reflective of the entire student population or being more reflective of the student population was uh, how I ended up getting involved. So you you would have been registered with the disability service and you would have heard, you would have got the email then that was sent out to everyone. Is that right? Yeah, so yeah, I was registered with the disability service up until I finished college. I came into my course through the DARE pathway, so Part of that means you are registered with the disability service for the entire time you're in college. Yeah, I would have got the emails and stuff like that and seen the Facebook ads. And I think they put it on their Twitter accounts as well. So I would have seen them that way as well. I myself, yeah, I would be registered with disability service as well. And there's actually a lot of benefits of being registered with the disability service, I find. Like, obviously, you get these emails, which have ended up in you being in a movie, which is pretty <laughs> cool. But you got your job, didn't you, in the disability service? Yes. So I... Um... I was stuck with nothing to do <laughs> for this summer initially. I knew my job was the job that I'd had had basically since I'd finished in college was going to be finishing up in around May. So I'd had this big gap in my summer with no real certainty as to what was going to happen. And I just got this email into my inbox from the disability service and they were looking for graduate interns, things like that. So I said I'd, I'd chance my arm and, and see where it went. But yeah, I do agree in terms of the disability service emails like, uh, like I tell all my friends all the time check your college emails because there is so much stuff that is really useful that you just never notice or stuff that's really <laughs> important to your degree that you never um, check in on until it's a little bit too late but the disability service email is obviously really useful in terms of just helping you keep on top of things but also flagging stuff for you that can be really useful or at least having it in the back of your head if you ever do have a problem I know the supports are there or I know this is how I, this is actually who I contact or this is how I book a drop-in session and things like that. Now, I, then there's, especially I noticed, there's a couple of scholarships that the Disability Service share as well, which is really handy. What was it like being involved in the movie? Like what, what was actually involved? Was it just one day of filming or? So there's two days of filming altogether. So the first one was we shot in the, I think it's the Robert Emmett Theatre in the, the arts block. So that was a close-up kind of interview with the videographer in the lecture hall 
lights and stuff like that so they asked us a few they asked me a few questions i think mine was done fairly quickly like within half an hour i think i'd answered everything and we were happy with the shots and stuff like that so i was free to go and work for the rest of the day and then the second day of shooting was just visuals so we went into the school of physics obviously i'm a physics student so inside the school of physics like really nice like it's nearly a century old at this point probably older interior like all marble and stone and went to the the lecture theater at the top the the schrodinger lecture theater that's all like wood panels and stuff like that and just got some really nice visuals there so it's an impressive place but most people don't really get to see it because you'd never know it was there just walking past the building every day on your way to pier street to get your bus or to get your dart scott what was it like because obviously every student with disability is different what was your journey finding out that you had a disability and then ended up registering with disability service and getting the supports you needed? I suppose in my case, so it, I'd fall under significant ongoing illness. It's been with me my entire life and I was diagnosed when I was a baby. So there's never really been a point in my life where it was like, okay, this is where I didn't have a disability and this is now where I have a disability. But in terms of, I'd always been quite comfortable with, well, not always been quite comfortable with it, but by the time I reached college, I'd say I was quite comfortable with it and able to manage it and obviously the DARE program was really useful just in terms of giving me some certainty when it came to third level so I obviously wanted to do well in leaving cert and I did do well in my leaving cert but knowing that the support was there for me if I needed it and then once I did go to college or start in college and it was only around the end of the second year um, I started acknowledging okay like I do need to ask for help or ask for support so with me it was deferring my exams or deferring some of them because my body just can't handle the stress and we were the last year of non-semesterized exams so at the end of the second year i had about 10 exams in a two-week period so it just wasn't sustainable for me and i probably cost myself a lot of sleepless nights and missed grades and unnecessary hassle convinced myself that i didn't need the supports that i was entitled to so i think yeah, getting over that mental wall i think was the most important thing for me and what are the supports that are available to you with the disability service? So like I said, mainly with me, it was help with assignments or help with exams. So if it was a case that, okay, I'm going to split my exams between May and August for exams, I do two in May, two in August, all that sort of stuff was fairly easily dealt with because I had my lens report and stuff like that. The tutor or whoever else could go very, or academic registry or the school of physics could go fairly quickly and go, okay, there's, there's a file here of, you know, what he's entitled to what the situation is it's a perfectly reasonable request to make that he gets to defer some of the exams i always felt i I tried to manage things as well as i could but i did always feel if i did have an issue i could go to disability service and be like okay i need to move this timetable around a little bit because it is not going to work for me in my current situation and how does and why would like your timetable not work for you why would you need to shift it around so one of the big things with me is be like fatigue or um, sometimes you just wake up and you don't feel particularly good or if I pick up an illness or something like that like it might only be a cold or something like that but it could be run down or if it gets to a very busy part of the college term I at my best sometimes it feels like you're running at 70% compared to everyone else's 100% so that thing of okay I could do this but by the end of it I will be so so worn down so being able to adjust things to better suit okay look i need an extra week to do this or i need to change this around a little bit was always something i just had to deal with because if it was at a point where things were getting difficult or things were getting really crowded i could feel it myself that was starting to run on fumes and if i run on fumes then i get sick stuck in bed at home or i end up being hospitalized and that's a whole other 
situation. So it's very, you decide on the morning or like the day before that, oh, I can't do this exam tomorrow. I need to postpone this like a couple of days or a week. Is that right? Maybe not the day before. So sometimes like you'd look at the schedule and you'd go, okay, like I know if I've got four exams in a week and a half period, I know by the time I get through like the first two, I get to the third exam and just be completely worn out. And you're trying to remember the stuff that you learned already or trying to revise the stuff you learned already. And then you're seeing people who were asking you for help two weeks earlier because they didn't know what was going on and they're coming out of the exam with a, a better grade than you because you just don't have anything left in the tank to give. So the, the main support you have really is being able to kind of be flexible with your timetable to let it suit you and your needs and fatigue. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, essentially that's it. Jeez, that's so handy. That's so handy. Do you think that's made a big difference on your grades? Yeah, you can see in my transcripts, my grades improving from first to second to, to third year. It was just getting ridiculous. Whereas I, I know how to do these exams and get through them, but I'd be like a zombie by the third or fourth one. And even the way Trinity had scheduled some of them. So if we had two exams in one day, the next two days for me were just like a write off. I did not have anything left to give, really. Students need to overcome that. What would you even call that, like that kind of like trying to be great and trying to be powerful and like trying to do everything, like do all, smash all the exams and kind of... I think it's a, maybe not an insecurity or not a mental barrier. You feel like you come into college and you have to do everything and be great at everything from the get-go and you have to be like this model idea of a college student that no one else actually lives up to or can do it for in the long term. And um, we probably both seen people in first and second year go in and they'd sign up for everything and do everything or try to do everything. And then by the second semester of the year, they're completely burnt out and they needed to take a break. So I would say get now that frame of mind where you kind of, I think it's part of it, people want to prove to the, those around them or prove to themselves that they can do it. Um, whereas it might not actually be what they want to do, but they feel, oh, because I'm someone with a disability, I have to prove that I can do better than everyone else around me. And so the main kind of symptom of your disability would be fatigue. Is that right? Yeah, fatigue in a general sense. Um, so like it's an autoimmune condition. Basically, my immune system just doesn't work properly. So I can pick up like infections and stuff like that quite easily. And the problem is if I pick up something like even something minor, like when I was in primary school, I, I caught shingles and I had to spend a week in isolation in Crumlin because it just tears through me. Um, I don't have the, the same durability everyone else has. So making sure that doesn't happen has always been the priority because you could go in, spend a week in isolation and then come out and it could take you another month um, to get back to where you were initially. Learning from those experiences when I was younger kind of taught me, you know, no grade is worth having to spend a week in a, an isolation ward which or an isolation room, which is about the size of a, a box room in an average house. You were well used to quarantining well before the pandemic. Yeah, basically, uh, when people were like, oh, how are you doing? How, is, how are you managing this? I've had it, I've had it worse, if believe it or not. How will that affect you, like, in choosing your career choice and what job you go into? In terms of career and stuff like that, it did give me some perspective in terms of, I don't think I was ever going to be the person who could go off and do a job that they hated for lots of money because my health was always the priority as long as I can remember. Probably more so than most people would be. Like, most people would say, yeah, they prioritise their health. But with me, it's an actual tangible thing every day. There's medications I take, there's doctors I see. So I think I put it more in terms of, I wanted to do something that made me happy or something that I felt was rewarding. That's part of the reason why I signed up to work with the disability service was because I felt it was something I could get a sense of purpose out of, a sense of uh, reward out of. Like long term, I do want to work in an area maybe to do with like sustainability or something like that in terms of physics and science. And 
something where you're actively trying to make a difference or improve things for people. Um, and it's probably been informed by my own experiences, having to deal with all the stuff when I was younger, I was getting sick and things like that. And yeah, so that would probably be the main way it's affected my uh, career perspective. And that can almost, you can almost view that as a silver lining in a way. Like you're not going to be one of those people that is just going wake up every morning and hates their job. It's almost like you can't do that. It just rules that out for you. You have to enjoy your job. Yeah, there's that thing. Of, like I think there's a yeah perspective and a greater appreciation for things. Like some people don't get that till they're older, till they're thirty or they're forty, and at that point they've already been working in an industry for a couple of years. Where they're like, I don't actually like this job. Why am I doing this? Some of my friends went straight into doing PhDs. And it's like, well, I don't want to jump straight into a PhD. That's another four years committing to something. Like, what if you don't enjoy it? Um, you're putting yourself on a very well-defined career path into a certain sector. Um. So I think it has, it forced me to grow and mature a bit sooner than most people my age would have had to. Um, so I generally don't get ruffled by things that much. I try to just sort of keep my head and think about how is this, is this actually what I want or is it just what people are telling me I should want? Is there anything you hope people know before watching the short film? <laughs> is there anything I hope people know? There was a lot of effort that went into it. People were very, me included, you know, we're quite honest about our experiences. We weren't holding back about things. Like it's trying to give as honest an, appra honest an appraisal or a view of things as possible. And that's not, some of that would be negative, some of that would be positive, and that's not intended to cast a, a dark cloud over everything. But I think, you know, being honest about your situation as someone with a disability can be difficult. But I think it's also necessary in terms of actually, you can't have a conversation about this stuff. There's all this bad stuff in the corner and we choose not to ignore it because it brings the vibes down. I think honesty was the main thing that went into it. People were genuine about their experiences. I think that, I hope that comes across well on camera. I think the honesty always kind of cuts through. And finally, mm. this is the last question. What impact do you hope that the short film is going to have? I hope it informs people about what it's like for someone with a disability on campus or just in Trinity in general. People don't know about these things. It's not at the forefront of their mind. We've all got a million and one different things going on, especially at the moment, whether that's academically, whether that's in work or personal life. I think seeing a film like this where people are honest and open and, and articulating their experiences in a way that's relatable will kind of make people go, oh, I now see the world or I now see the campus or I see the college in a different way. And that way highlights a lot of the issues that students with disabilities have, whether that's accessibility, whether that's inclusion. And yeah, that would be my hope for the film, is that it's an, an eye-opener for people in a good way. So that's episode three. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, be sure to check out the short film. It'll be released on September 3rd. You can find it on all of the Ability Co-op social medias on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. So go follow us wherever you want to see us. Be sure to tune in with our next and final episode of this series where I interview Brian Smith, the director of the film.